Hello, hello, and welcome to Review 2. This week we're Review 2-ing the 360 Tour. Part insect, part spacecraft, part cathedral. Things can only get better if you start with boots. They look really space aging and cool. Moment of surrender. Seven minutes snooze first. It doesn't drop as soon as you think it might. Stop shaking your head and looking sad, Tyler. Hello, hello, and welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of Review 2. Today we'll be continuing our journey through the story of U2 Live. I'm Tyler, here with me is Johnny. Say hello, Johnny. Namaste. That's to all our Indian listeners this week. We are two bespectacled U2 fans. We love talking about that too, and today we will be discussing the 360 tour, particularly the Rose Bowl gig in where, Johnny? In Pasadena. And that's Los Angeles. It's in Los Angeles, yes. Yeah. Um, so, here we are, a little later than we should have been, about, we're a bit behind with the recording. Do you want to tell uh, people what you were doing this time last week, Johnny, why we couldn't record last week? What was I doing? My memory's terrible at the moment. I believe you were taking an elderly relative shopping. <laughs> yeah, I was. Well, I think that's a good thing. I was I was taking my grandma to the shops. And I also was um, assisting the elderly. Uh, as I... Wait, you met you too? No, no. I did meet somebody, though. Mm. Uh, I uh, did meet acting legend Ian McKellen. Oh, yeah. I wondered if you'd bring this up. As I helped uh, to run the stage with my mate Rachel for Wigan Pride um, and oh. it was a fantastic event and I absolutely loved Sir Ian Can't, you shouldn't call him Sir Ian because he doesn't like that but it, it felt very strange meeting Ian McKellen and just going Ian it's like I, I, afterwards I thought Mr I, McKellen could that I, be that's a... what I kept thinking afterwards that that's what I should have done but I, for some reason when you are he's not a mister anymore though but when you when you face to face you don't your brain just doesn't work but mm. um I've always been a fan of the uh, Lord of the Rings franchise and Gandalf. And uh, also his appearance in Extras, which adds another layer of kind of complexity and weirdness to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Because you've seen him act as himself in inverted commas. I mean, I was thinking about, should I have asked him a question? Because surely there's big, there are big fans of Ian McKellen out there who would who would love to meet him and love mm. to ask him a question maybe about acting or how to get on in in the acting business. He covered all the acting stuff in extras. <laughs> well, but I, I I was thinking, what question could I have asked him, you know, suited to me? And I, I wanted to ask him... Um, Do you like you too? No, what was... Well, that's what I was going to ask. I thought about it, but I thought that's just stupid because he obviously doesn't know who I am. True, but what I will say is one of the problems with people meeting big actors is they must just ask, or musicians, ask the same boring questions. That would have at least been unique. There is that, yeah. Mm. But, but, sorry, go on. but I thought I should have asked him, what is Ricky Gervais actually like to you know to meet him? Mm. Uh, and, and I was telling my colleagues about that this week, and they went, I reckon Ricky Gervais is just like you, in, you know, in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what they mean by that is I'm a really annoying person to be around for an extended period of time. Well, we've got a two-hour show coming up <laughs> uh, for everyone to, to get through this week. Um, yeah, so 360. Yeah. Going all the way back to 2009. Now, again, a, a, a period of time in U2's career that we lived through. Yeah, so we will be peppering in little details from the uh, Don Valley Stadium gig that we went to in Sheffield. Yeah, um, 
We're probably not going to go into a lot of detail about that. No, but just whenever there's something relevant, I guess. Yeah. Because we actually got to experience this gig just like with the Vertigo tour. And interestingly enough, uh, we are recording this on the 18th of August 2017. And it was the 20th of August 2009, 2009 when yes. we saw them. So, what's that, eight years? Uh, eight eight it years. It always makes me feel old. No, it's eight eight years and minus two days since we since we saw that gig, mm. um, and we'll talk about little bits of that going forward. We've got to talk about the stage, haven't we? Well, should we do the stats first because that's oh, yeah, the usual go, order? Right, I you, mean, you do the stats then. Might be a little bit a little bit dull listening to a pile of numbers, but um, we've got a commitment. So this tour began on the thirtieth of June two thousand and nine. So I guess we saw it relatively early on, and it's well, yeah, definitely early on in its run, because it ended on the thirtieth of July two thousand and eleven. It had seven legs. Can't think of anything that has seven legs. Tyler's also struggling, and no. Um, only a spider with an erection. That's that's all I've got. And and two missing legs. An amputee spider with an erection. Right, okay. No one thought that would be said this early on in the podcast. Um, there were 110 total shows. And oh, I'm not going to read all these. If you want more facts, you can look, look on Wikipedia. I'm sorry if that sounds lazy, but I think it's also probably quite dull for me to just read through all these. But the key fact, I think, that we need to stress here is how record-breaking or setting this tour was. It is the highest-grossing concert tour, certainly of the time, and I think that record stands, 736 million in ticket sales, um, with the highest-attended tour of 7.2 million tickets sold. So, I mean, that's that's incredible. It's, it's record-breaking. Um, and the cost of taking this enormous stage on the road, which we'll, we'll get round to soon enough, Approximately seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day, and that's um, that's that's just daily costs, not including the stage construction, um, and the majority of that just came through getting the thing around. And there were a lot of issues around environmental concerns and things like that. Is you two taking all these trucks around the, the world and then claiming to be saving the planet in some way? Is that hypocritical in some way, considering how much you know carbon they're going to be pumping out into the atmosphere? Um, and then. Final stat I've got is just actually on the stage itself, which is um, how tall it was. So it was 164 feet, and it was the largest stage ever constructed. And I can believe that. Yeah. Um, because when we went to Sheffield um, in 2009, we I don't know if you remember, but we went with your dad. and <laughs> Yeah, I remember my dad was there. Good. How would we have got there otherwise? <laughs> True. We stopped at a little cafe, didn't we? About halfway. It was a surreal. It was a surreal <laughs> trip, wasn't it, to Sheffield? I mean, it was a very nice trip. Um, lovely scenery on the way, but we stopped in a little pub and had a pie uh, on the yeah. way, and it was just. This doesn't seem to fit in with the whole no uh, futuristic vibe of the three hundred and sixty tour. It was because I was eighteen and you were twenty-one. Probably, yeah, yeah. twenty twenty-one. Mm. Um, but I, I think we were very excited. Just wanted to get to the the gig and mm. and be the like we normally do. Yeah. But you also had your dad who, you know, is an adult. Mm. Uh and was very interested in making a day of it and having making a nice trip of of the day. Yeah. And it kind of jarred with what we wanted and jarred with with everything 360 was really. Mm. But 
when we parked, we were about three miles away. Uh, and, I, and I've always said that, but I may have actually underestimated how far away we were because we did. It was a long walk from the car park to the gig, but I remember we turned around a corner or went under a bridge. This is after we've parked the car, and suddenly you could just see the claw, mm. which is what they called the stage, from from miles away. And I looked. I remember looking at you and just going. This is like going to Potmart, yeah. Because that's how it felt. But I didn't go. I didn't set off that morning thinking I was. I was going to a two thousand and nine equivalent of Potmart. Yeah. It was only when I saw the stage that I thought, "Oh my god, this is this is as close to Potmart as I'm ever going to get." Yeah, and I can remember just getting my camera out straight away because you could see so much of the stage, even from that early point. Yeah, enormous, hundreds of feet. Some might say. Uh, well, actually, that that might be an under underestimation. No, but as I said before, it was thousands of feet. Of feet. One hundred and sixty-four feet. Um, so yeah, it was. I mean, it it was really impressive as well because obviously we still had a bit of exposure on the internet, but we tried to not look at as much stuff and as many spoilers. Um, I, I was seemed as, easier those days. I wasn't as staunchly against spoilers then as I am now, but I I don't remember knowing much about about the tour and what to expect mm. i think even then we the vertigo tour i knew and i knew pretty much everything because i'd i'd i'd, I'd been on u2.com every day looking at the pictures and the little mm. bits of videos but for 360 i i hadn't i didn't i really didn't know what to expect and i i know that there are a couple of songs that they they played um which are obviously obviously got played very regularly during this tour, which I had no idea we're going to, were going to be played. Yeah, and there were a lot of surprises, which I guess we'll get to. But and this might be a useful segue into talking about the actual stage. Vertigo, as we said before, was kind of a development of the ideas of elevation. So it's not that huge of an artistic leap or imaginative leap from one to the other. Um, and there are a lot of things that work about that, and I'm not complaining. But 360 was such a complete turnaround. And that's largely to do with the decision to try and make this a a gig which would increase the amount of visibility of the band, do it play in the round for real, you know, not just not just in a kind of artificial sense, which they kind of did in elevation and um vertigo to a certain extent. Um so I would I would say that um, that the, the show here is the stage and not necessarily the album. And that's probably a very good reason why, I mean, beyond the practicalities of just advertising, they shelved the name The Kiss of the Future Tour. I mean, which is a pretty terrible that, name. Was that really a It thing? was a consideration, Kiss the Future Tour. I think the one-two punch of get on your boots flopping and also them realising that they need to push the 360 aspect as close you know, to the forefront as possible. A lot of people, I believe, went to this show they like you two. Obviously, no one would go if they actively disliked the band, but people were excited about seeing what does this new stage look like? What is it to see a band fully in 360? Yeah, this is this this show was a spectacle. And I think that at this point in U2's career, the, the idea of going watching U2 live was almost bigger than the band. Yeah, it was um, it was a th- a thing to do, a thing to say you'd done, and I th- and what 
actually happened with that, it, it started to work against the band because suddenly people weren't there to actually see the band. They were there to say they'd been to see the band. Mm. And I struggle with this tour. I put off listening to this, uh, watching this show for about as long as I can where I sat there last night and, and just forced myself to get through it. Mm. I'm not saying I didn't I didn't enjoy it, but the thought of sitting down and watching it didn't appeal to me at all. It's a different feeling, certainly, to Elevation. And it took me a long time to actually get this on, on Blu-ray, whereas normally I just buy the DVD as quickly as possible. Um, so, yeah, I can see what you mean by that. But I, I would say I enjoyed this more than I was expecting overall, just to give a, a general summation. Um so, the claw itself, and this is my, as you know, we, we're given the claw itself. So, that was that was constructed with the help of architect Mark Fisher, who had really helped the band with um, with previous stagings and, and and more artistic projects. So he's an architect. So him with Willie Williams makes a formidable team. And apparently, the idea began, and I don't know how much of a kind of post-fact mythologization this is but Bonner was messing around with some forks and sticking them together and saying oh, wouldn't this be cool with all the interlinked fork prongs <laughs> together um, and apparently doing this they realized that they were trying to make it too small originally and if you're going to do it you have to make it huge enough to carry all of the sound system so they went even bigger than they were expecting to go in the in the original concepts, which is, again, something that really impacted on us when we first went. And what this did was it meant it led to about 15 to 20% increase in capacity for the crowd. And this might have a lot to do with the fact that this was such a record-breaking tour. I mean, if you shave even 10% off what they did before, that might knock them down. But 20 to 15, that's, that's a huge increase. Um... And I think it it definitely is more 360 than... I mean, say, you know, in Elevation, where you've got people behind the band um, on stage, I always felt a bit sorry for those people. Like, they're not really getting as big of a show. Not as sorry as I feel for a lot a lot of people in this audience. Hmm, interesting. Well, should we... Mm, well, do we, we, yeah, we'll, we'll say We'll, we'll, we'll get on to that, that I suppose. Yeah. Um, the New York Times described the stage as part insect, part spacecraft, and part cathedral. Yeah. I, I've got a bone to pick with this spaceship. Bono even refers to it as a spaceship during the show. Mm-hmm. I felt that was just something they came up with afterwards. Yeah, maybe. Because it doesn't look like a spaceship. Also, on the DVD, as soon as you put it on, you'll you'll be presented with a, the inside of a spaceship. Yeah, and the Astro it, Baby. In possibly the worst animation, <laughs> 2009... Produced. I quite liked that as it, as an interactive I, I, menu. I, I put it on last night, and it and and this is after two weeks of 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 putting off listening, watching this this DVD. Hmm. So I put it on, and then I'm confronted with that, and I'm just oh, that hasn't held up well. I don't remember it looking that bad before. It looks a little bit tacky. Um... And not as futuristic as I imagine it once did, but I just think it's cool. I, I'm happy when the Astro Baby turns up to do anything. I'm, I, I always think it's great. Is that the real name, the Astro Baby? I've always called it the Actung Baby. Well, I, I think it can be. I mean, I don't know if there's an official name. I mean, it's hardly like it's a proper member of the band, but um, I'm going to call it that because it's a baby in a spaceship helmet, I suppose. 
But I know what you're saying about the about it feels a bit tacked on. I c- kind of wish they would have pushed a bit further with that, either on No Line on the Horizon, the whole album. I mean, if you're going to make... I would love to hear a U2 album about, about there was more space travel And I think the song No Line on the Horizon really does sound like that. It sounds like a... I've said this before. It sounds like a spaceship descending. <laughs> you're scowling because you don't like that song. I'm, I'm scowling because I've, for a lot of this show, I've got to talk about those songs mm-hmm. on that album but you know pe- pe- regular listeners of the show will know I'm not I'm not going to be that excited to talk about a lot of this show well I will be yin to your yang I guess in those respects because I like quite a bit of, of Enloth um anything else on the stage we need to talk about um, oh yeah let, let's dis- let's describe the stage a little bit so we talked about the claw which is basically the canopy over the scaffold which is the housing for the very, very big sound system. Yeah. The actual stage uh, is a, a circular stage which revolves. I know Larry's drum kit certainly revolves, but I'm not sure if the outer bit revolves. No, I don't think the rest of it is. Um, it's got two bridges which revolve ar- around an outer ring which encapsulates some of the audience. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen this, uh, this might sound pretty crazy, but when when you see it, it is. It it's it's absurd. It's it's almost too big. This coming from a guy who loved Pop Mart mm. and and, thought, and the massive screen for Joshua Tree. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't get over that screen. Um, well, literally, that's like a long jump. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but I, I noticed on the DVD that there, it's not that it's not completely in the round because there is a ramp on towards the back of the stage. Yeah. So it's not even a complete circle. I, obviously, the the engineers needed a way to get on onto the stage and put everything there. So there is a there is a pretty thick ramp. It's as connected. close to 360 as you're going to get. I don't think... I don't think it is. I'm, I'm sure I saw uh, articles at the time where, you know, that worked out the actual angles of view you could get from that stage. Mm. And it was it was in the 200s. It wasn't, it wasn't as 360 as they promoted it as being. Yeah, and I guess the difficulty also is that no matter what happens, there's going to be any portion where the band are playing as a band in an old school format, which does happen throughout this gig, then it instantly becomes, oh, well, I can just see the back of all the heads for anyone at that particular point. Well, this is a really old school uh, problem in in theatre because I think you've already mentioned when you have the audience completely surrounding all of the stage, it's it's referred to as, as being in the round. Now, you two aren't the first rock band to do it and other artists have, have done it but there's always a limited success rate because if you're when you're facing one part of the audience then they're very very hot very very energetic and very into the show but the minute you walk away from them you pretty much you've, you've got your back to them mm. and if you've got your back to them they they're very co- you know they're very cold and mm. it's there's not a lot of energy in, in that part of the show i mean there's good reasons why traditional stages have been there's a thing at one end and everyone looks at that thing yeah and yeah. they and the band plays out yeah i i mean uh, a few years ago uh, and i'm not sure how many uh, of our listeners will be fans of of robbie williams but mm. i i do i do like robbie williams um 
And a few years ago, he, he did a tour. I think it was for the Take the Crown album. And he did a few shows in the round. And he encountered this problem. Now, and he's just one guy. And, yet there's, and there's only one of him. So he ended up absolutely throwing him around this st- stage, just trying to keep the whole audience in the moment of, of each song. Hmm. But it's tricky. And you set yourself you set yourself more problems by doing an in the round show than than not. Yeah, and and that I think will there'll be some interesting points to bring up about energy during this tour as um as well in this particular show because that three sixty doesn't really leave you anywhere to hide, which is good in one way, um, but also can stretch you in other ways. I'm I'm really happy they 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 did this though. I think it's a it's. They really did try to go as 360 as I think was possible. I was very enthusiastic at the time that you 2 were still pushing the boundaries of what yeah. can be expected at a rock show. This is a massive leap from Chicago. I mean, it's almost equivalent to a Rattlin' Hum to Zoo TV. Maybe not quite as innovative, but it's it's pretty much pushing the boundaries. And one thing we've not talked about on that, on that scale is they've once again reinvented video to a certain extent. That, um, I mean... Bono refers to it, and a few other people refer to it as a, the chip basket of a of a screen that begins at the top and you believe is static, and then tessellates that might be the right word down into this weird chip basket. Um, they, they, it's incredible. They really tease that as well. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't drop as soon as you think it might. No, uh, they they really work towards that part of the show, and it was entirely. I mean, I know they always, Willie Williams in particular always talks up how unique and new everything is, and and that's fair enough. Um, But that was made with the help of Mark Fisher, but also lighting experts and LED experts, uh, Chuck Hoberman and Frederick Opsommer. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, Notice you've not got my name on there, so no LED questions this week, please. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, Yeah, so... I've not really got much more to say on the stage right now. Anything, anything else we need to we need to mention? No, we'll, we'll, the the stage just changed, but I think we'll we'll get to that as we go through the set list. Oh, the one thing I wanted to say is the disco ball right on the very top apparently was a functioning lightning rod. So if heaven forfend, lightning had hit the stage, it would have actually functioned properly in the way that you know a, a lightning earther is meant to. Fun fact. Well, that that's probably sensible yeah but i think it's, yeah. it's cool that it was also a disco ball yeah <laughs> there's always a disco ball on a u2 stage though yeah um and there's there's some in this show and there's more coming up in the next one as well mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about the swag yeah um should we begin with the man himself I've never been more underwhelmed by a by a U two get up. Not 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 one of them stands out. Well, me. I think one of them does stand out. Later on, I know what you're going to say. Well, that well there is that um, which I guess we'll shelve for now. But um, I think this is where Adam finally gets his look together. Let, right. Let's let, okay. We'll start with Adam. Yeah. What, ex- explain Adam's outfit. Well, his his he's embraced the. Um, you know, the kind of the white hair, I think, in a way that he's not done previously. So that looks great. He's got the short white hair, but he's also wearing really light, non-baggy stuff, and he's got the waistcoat on. Um, I think he's got the waistcoat on on, on, on this, doesn't he? Um, I didn't notice a waistcoat. 
I think I'd have made a note of that. <laughs> it's it might be a coat with 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 not many you know with, without the arms take with the arms taken off. So it's not like a old fashioned waistcoat. But his his clothing to cut a long story short is bright. It's exciting. It actually looks a little bit spacey because he's got the you know kind of almost constellation look on on the front of his t shirt. I'd say Adam finally looks cool here, whereas on on Elevation, he looked like he was doing some decorating, and on Chicago... On Elevation, and we didn't mention this, he looks like Eric Clapton. Yeah, I think you've mentioned this before, actually. He does look very Clapton-ish, and has about the energy of Eric Clapton as well, um, an older Eric Clapton. And on Vertigo, he's just wearing bog-standard, boring kind of black you know, kind of clothing, really. It's not, mm. It doesn't look great. I think Adam looks fun and exciting, and that translates into his activity but yeah just on the um the way he looks great uh so points for the jazz man points for the jazz man jazzing it up right okay uh let's talk about larry mullen jr he's gone to a more classic look this time but updated with a modern twist (sighs) a scorpion several scorpions there was a scorpion on his back Um, maybe one on his sleeve and one on his front yeah but it's essentially the old Larry it, Mullen it's, look. It's the it's the white t-shirt, blue mm. jeans look. Well, I can accept that. That's fair enough. Um, I think I think the black jeans. But he he does look cool. He does look cool. When does he never? When does he ever not look cool? Is this the last time we see classic Larry, classic non-aging Larry? Really? It's such a slow process. Um, and they've all aged pretty well. Apart from Bono, who's beginning to look like Dame Edna Average. <laughs> but, um, um, I, I think... On this tour, they do all look pretty youthful. Yeah, I think Bono looks a lot more youthful on this tour than he did on Chicago. And considering the, the passage of time, that's quite impressive. But it is very standard. From him and Edge, it's just simple, like, darkish clothing. You know, Edge actually looks like he's not bothered to... There's no thrills with their outfit here. No. And I guess... Because they've got to move around so much. I mean, I wouldn't want Edge to be wearing that really cool Zoo TV outfit, you know, where they're all wearing the military stuff and he's got the big um, blue coat on. Yeah. Uh, Bono on this tour, his leather jacket, I don't know if it, it's it got an embedded, you know, like an imprinted thing um, pattern on it mm-hmm. or whether it, that's embroidery because this is a very, very dark show. Yeah. So you don't really get the the detail of, of the jacket which you got on Elevation and Vertigo, but I think it looks pretty cool. I just I, I can't see it mm. well enough. And I actually th- I also think it's a brown a dark brown leather jacket rather than his traditional black. Colorblind, don't know. I'm a I'm a leather jacket nerd, so um, I I do notice things like that. And I mm. always always feel a bit funny about a brown leather jacket. There's there's something that it's just not it's not quite right. Looks good on Indiana Jones. It does. But not Bono. I think Bono should stick with the black, to be honest. Yeah, Indiana Jones looks better jumping on a, on a moving train than Bono would. And and yeah. judge, and and with Bono's accident rate lately, not a good idea. No, I'd say keep away from locomotive Keep away transport. from any moving transport. <laughs> Plain doors falling off, falling off bikes. Mm. I'm sure there's been another one. Yeah, I mean, boating it, even accident. when he's running around a stage, he's not safe because how many times has he fallen off? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, and he got that big scar in his chin from that. You do see a look of concern whenever he starts running about the place. Yeah. Um, but he's still very energetic on this tour. Um, so, I mean, are we? Is it worth getting into the into the set? 
Yes, it is. Let me reach the DVD. Okay, let's do a sting and then we'll get right in to the set list. Get on your boots. Right, you're not going to do every every single one of them like that, are you? No, no. Plus, you right. So that was just for George. Right, great. Well, I'm sure he enjoyed that. George McCauley requesting a extended Tyler "Get on Your Boots" remix. I believe he may have been being facetious. No, no, no. I think he. I think he wants me to do the full song, and so I've hired a studio, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send that to him. And then Justice are going to do a remix of it shortly after. <laughs> right, so here we go into the set list. Um, so the band come onto the stage with a... I don't really want to call it a single, but it, it technically is a single. Soon. Is it technically a single? Uh, uh, they they count it as a single because if, if you got the deluxe version of the Blu-ray, mm. then... It came with a seven-inch single, so well, it's technically a single. Well, yet more reason for soon to be on no line on the horizon. But anyway, go on. Um, right. So, uh, getting into the into the proper gig now. Get on your boots. Magnificent, mysterious ways. Beautiful day. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Stuck in a moment you can't get out of. No line on the horizon. Elevation in a little while. Unknown caller until the end of the world. The unforgettable fire. City of Blinding Lights, Vertigo, I'll Go Crazy If I Don't Go Crazy Tonight, Sunday Bloody Sunday, MLK, Walk On, One, Where the Streets Have No Name, Ultraviolet, Light My Way, Wither Without You, and Moment of Surrender. And there is one song which was included before Get On Your Boots, which was Breathe, and that was the official show opener. What do you think of that performance, Tyler? I mean, it's not part of the official review, but what do you what do you think of it? Uh, I didn't watch it. Oh, okay. You've seen it before, though, haven't you? I have heard the Sheffield version, and I've probably have seen well, it at least twice. Yeah, uh, I I've, um, I probably have seen it in the past. Yeah, but I forgot that they caught that. Okay. Well, I can give my brief review. I don't understand why it's not on the gig. Um, it looks really, really good. It sounds good people might disagree but i don't really understand why it was cut i would rather have the the whole document than beginning with boots boots is a fast opener fair enough u2's fastest song up to that point let us not forget but breathe is a really atmospheric opener and i don't think it's fair that larry who has a proper show opening here where it's just him on stage doing that incredible drum fill from the start of breathe gets just cut away from this this is why did they cut that I don't know. I, I mean, if there was an official reason, I don't know it. But uh, apparently, I mean, it's really subjective. And if there was a, a version that I wasn't happy with, then I wouldn't want it on there as a band member. But I, I just don't really understand the rationale behind it. It's a good version of a great song. It's got to come down to Miss of the Edge, surely. He has so. final say o- over what gets released, mm, doesn't he? I don't know. I mean, if Bono thought his vocal performance wasn't up to it. Oh, this is a long gig. Oh, well, that's true, but then there's a lot of other things I would have cut rather than breathe, yeah, i.e. a new song. It's strange to cut... Or maybe it wasn't a single. Maybe that's why. Maybe that that's what, mm. you know, sealed its fate and it got the axe. Well, why wasn't Unknown Caller axed then? 
I, I think they like un- Unknown Caller. What's wrong with them? Um, um, all right, well then, Breathe. What do you guys think of Breathe? I think it should be on there. And if anyone has an official reason, then let us know. But it's weird because it's not like it was bad enough for them not to put it on the Blu-ray. Yeah, and um, there was a slightly different set list when we saw them in Sheffield, and I did listen to that earlier. And that that's that show starts off a lot better. Hmm. It th- this seems a little bit stunted. Even last ni- even last night uh, when I was watching this, I was thinking, oh, this this doesn't really. W- I don't know what they're trying to to say here. I don't know what story they're trying to tell with the music, mm. because um, without jumping ahead, get on your boots and magnificent. Then mysterious ways and beautiful day. That's a very strange four songs yeah. to start a U two gig with. Well, there was a lot of. There was a lot of changes made to this. I think originally it might have been conceived in a more narrative way that was tied to the album. It was very badly expressed. But basically, they've, they've moved things around and brought in more of the fan favourites as they realise, hmm, this isn't working. Um, but yeah, well, let's start with, with Boots. Um, you famously, relatively speaking, don't like this song. It's the worst song you two have ever released uh, well um, as a single i think it's difficult to argue with that but... there is a special place in hell for this song mm. i well i like this song um this performance of this song bono's really going for it i get why they might have wanted to do this based purely on his energy adam's spinning around there are a lot of literal 360s throughout this show and there are some are performed here which is quite cool um and i i like this i think this is um this is a good version of, a, of, of of an interesting song. And I think the problem with this song is the baggage. If there had been less, if it hadn't been a single, if there'd been less baggage attached to it, I don't think anyone would have a problem with this being played live. And dare I say, I'd rather have had this played live on the Joshua Tree tour than Elevation or Vertigo. That's, that's just my opinion, man. That is ludicrous, Johnny. I would have loved it, and I would have loved uh, how is, much you would have hated it. There is not one person listening to this right now who agrees with you. Well, that, that's, not one. That's an interesting way of putting it because if literally one person disagrees with you, then you've lost the argument. So, guys, would any of you have? Um, probably not going to work anyway. Would any of you have preferred get on your boots to make an appearance rather than the? Yeah, good, but pretty boring by this stage. You know, an overplayed Vertigo and Elevation. But. But solid crowd pleasers. <laughs> I, I I don't care really about about the crowd at the moment. I mean, if it had just been me jumping up and down saying "Get on your boots," I would have been happy. Be- beautiful day always feels like a rarity to me. Every single time I see it, it shouldn't. But I, I it's a it's a great great song. Um, I I thought that things can only get better if you start with boots. You know the the only way is <laughs> start up. Start them on a low. The only way is up <laughs> if you start with boots. Um, well, speaking of which, we move on to Magnificent. No, no, I've not finished. Oh, well, I thought you want to move on from Boots as, as uh, speedily as your Boots could carry you. Larry's drums are quite bongoey in the verse. Yeah, they've always been like that. There's always been those kind of Is, rhythms in there. Really? Yeah. It's well, part it, of the thing that makes this song me. so great. Um, it's not the most impressive opener, and I don't get... It wasn't the opener. Well, no. But I thought it was when I... It's serving as an opening yeah. here, yeah, I'm being pedantic. And I just didn't get a sense that the crowd were, were into this. See, I thought I think they were, and Bono is really like selling the hell out of it. I think he's 
jumping around. He's he looks so much more spry and up for this than the start of Chicago, for example. I, I, well, I was wondering if maybe um, it's the short hair because this isn't directed by Hamish Hamilton, is it? This is directed by somebody new, whose name I neglected to write down. Um, but the the noticeable difference in this, Tom Kruger, uh, is the director. Um, yeah, I was just checking. Hamish Hamilton's name isn't on there at all. So th- this is a this is a new direction for a U two live show, mm. and Hamish always seems to have one eye or one ear on the crowd they they might be lower in the mix but they they can always be heard the the presence is always felt Mm. and i didn't get a sense of that with get on your boots and i have to question is it on purpose because everybody sat there with their arms folded going this is the worst song i've ever heard no no people were people would be up for this the people enjoyed it at sheffield they'd be enjoying it i tried I, I did try, mm. but it, it, I was glad when it finished. Um, magnificent. Uh, this should have been the opener. The the stage lights were incredible for this at the start with that... Like, and, the, and the lights following that. I love anything with this choreography between... Really tight choreography between lights and, and guitar and music in general. And it, it looks so good. And yeah, it would have been a great opener. I thought they could have extended that intro... Uh, like they did with Elevation on Vertigo. Well, they extended it a bit. But for especially if they opened with it. But then you wouldn't get Soon. This is well, really cool. You can still play Soon, but the first song that they're actually going to play... Oh, okay, fine. I, I Yeah, I think they could, that really would have worked. I don't know if they tried that anywhere, but I would have been very happy if Magnificent opened it with an extended, with an extended intro. Um, Bono looks up at the end of this as well um, in a kind of, I don't know if you know this, but he sort of, he's looking up at the end in kind of a way like, is he searching for, for God or something like that? Or I don't know. Well, it seems a bit a bit, a bit strange at the end. He seems like he's gone into some sort of reverie or, or trance. Was he? Would you describe it as McFisto-like mannerisms? Because I, the, I thought that there was a bit of McFisto in his performance of but this song. It's got a groove this song I suppose so that mm. would that would kind of fit a little bit um, with the Acton Baby era mannerisms that Bono kind of does. Um, yeah. Edge's solo sounds great. Always like it when he when he pulls out this solo. Yeah Edge very good I've noted that. Uh, Bono in good voice as well. Mm. Adam Adam's bass line's a bit dull. It's not as driving as Ad- a, a, a good solid U2 song mm. has you know a very steady military style drum beat from from Larry and a driving bass line from Adam. Well, it kind of ambles around a little bit. And, and I, I just thought this was pretty... Well, like pretty crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but, but it sounds I, a little bit like that anyway. I just thought it was dull. Pretty, just not not good form from Adam and it pains me to say that as, as always. On opposite sides of the pitch on this one. The problems with the stage are evident already because Bono has no focal point. It's not like in Elevation where he can be facing the front of the crowd from the stage yeah. or facing the front of the crowd from the, the the tip of the heart. It's Where does he look? Where does he go? He doesn't really know what, which way to point his energy. And I, and I really noticed it. And it, it seemed to have... Even Bono felt it seemed to, seemed to be lost. Mm, I, I guess 
he's able to spread it round a little bit more. Maybe that's a good idea, maybe not, but... Mm. I, I, th- I thought that was just the first time where this this stage is too big for them, the, their ambition has reached too far. Quite possibly. I think there are there are parts where this really works, and there's parts where it doesn't. I mean, it's early days. It's it's track two on the on the DVD. Yeah. Stop correct. I, I feel like every time I say that, you're going to correct me that they played Breathe first. But if, in terms of the DVD, <laughs> it's track two. I, I've taken off my pedantry hat and putting on my easygoing hat. Um, then we go to Mysterious Ways. Really weird choice, this, this early on. Get up off, you big fat ass. And I hate that line. I just think, I mean... I mean, it's. I guess it's fun in a way, but I also think, shut up. And do you know what? I think this. Is, I think the band do look like they're having fun with this. Yeah. As much of a problem with the with the tour that I have, they they do seem to be having fun. Bono's making a lot of jokes. Bono is in very very. He's, he's very. He's happy in cheeky character. form in this in this gig. Yeah, yeah, definitely. To an annoying extent, I'd say. Some of his jokes later on just fall absolutely flat, but we'll talk to we'll talk to them when we get. To I them. I like this Bono though. I just I just wish it was uh, at, at a different time frame. Mm. Well, uh, another annoying thing about this mysterious ways, um, uh, and I like mysterious ways. Just way way too early on in the set doesn't yeah. make any sense here. Um, John, John took a walk with your sister in the rain. No, get it right. The name is Johnny. Bono, thank you very much. So let's not let's not mess around. Um, Adam's bass again, really low in the mix. Um, the actual basses he's using are pretty cool, though. I think he switched bass um, about twice already, and he's got some amazing basses on this on this whole um, tour. They they look really space age and, and cool. Uh, very very passive show so far. This. I don't. I don't feel like I'm into. I don't know what I'm watching. Bono gets the crowd to do a big wave, though. You know that were yeah. That was side. that was pretty impressive. The the crowd are as much a part of the of the stage or the show as the the, the claw is. Mm. Be, be, especially before the, the the screen drops down. Yeah, and you can see right through to the crowd, and and it is it, the roll, rose ball is big. How many people did you say were there? Um, well, annoyingly, I don't have the stats for how many were at the Rose Bowl to hand. I can say that when we watched them in Sheffield, at Don Valley Stadium, there were almost 50,000 there. Rose Bowl's a lot bigger than that. Yeah, it surely so, is. Um, well, we haven't got the stats. Oh, no, well. No, we don't, um, and apologies for that. But it, it's very, very big. And once again, I think Willie Williams would have had this in mind, that the crowd is part of the show. Hmm. And they are utilised, like here and later on, they, they are utilised. They're always lit up as well at this show. They're, and, and I said this is a very dark gig. There's not a lot of light on the audience until there's supposed to be. Mm. At times, all the audience will be red or they'll all be in, in blue yeah. or green. Occasionally, they'll be in, in different colours. But there is a lot of lighting available on the audience and the audience do form a backdrop to the opposite side of the stage. Yeah, although they're not as viscerally involved as on Elevation, for example, which is... which is, mm. It's not executed as well. It's just different, I suppose. It depends what you're going for. Um, It'd be interesting, because Elevation is pretty much our starting point for, for you two live shows. Yeah. It'd be very interesting if there were um, p- 
people listening who got into you two around this time, or that was the most recent thing when they got into them? Yeah, because we've had a few um, messages and and things like that from people who got into you two at a different point. You know, Zoo TV, Potmart, that kind of thing. And we always talk about Elevation being day one, but it would be fascinating to hear from someone who this was their starting point. Yeah. And what they thought, because this might very well be, you know, we, they might treat this in exactly the same way as, as we do Elevation. That that would be interesting, because I don't know this, I, I don't feel as comfortable with this, because I just haven't spent as much time watching it. Mm. With Elevation, where I, I feel like I know every mannerism and movement and... and I mean, a line from it. Thirty songs, though. I mean, is it thirty? Oh no, this one. Thirty's uh, Paris. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Sorry. Um, oh, <laughs> maybe that's going to be a long show. Maybe this just feels long. Well, maybe tune we in should, next week for that. Well, maybe we should just get right on to uh, to beautiful day then. Um, yes, let's go. Yeah. Bono mentioning his three friends. His it's difficult for me to say. His three friends. Here, which is nice. And who are they? Uh, yeah, well, we all know who they are. Yeah, I, I, I to be honest, I always get a bit. I, I, I feel like I turn into Monty Python when I when Bono's introducing the band, because mm. he never, no one ever introduced Bono, and I, and I always want a Terry Jones kind of character just standing in the sta- uh, standing in the audience, going, "Yeah, and who are you?" Mm. Maybe next time you can do that. <laughs> it's because everyone knows who Bono is. I mean. There'll still be people, I imagine, going to the gig who don't actually know who Adam and Larry are. So I think it sort of is part of his due <laughs> diligence that he has to do it. Um, this I, I oh, don't on, feel sorry. I don't feel like the show started yet. Um, well, I don't know. I I I think it kicks off pretty well with getting your boots. It's just mysterious ways that drags it down. This this song works for three sixty, and I think Bono is punching around a bit. It's sort of almost like pop mart Bono, which is cool. Um, yeah, as far as I can say anything about this song, having heard it a million times and seen too many versions of it live, it it looks good, and it, I I think it works for three sixty and the whole and the whole the the breadth that that song has. That it seems like a very global and open song, and it works for three sixty here. Um, I did notice with Bono that he's mainly performing for the camera in this song. Now, fair enough, they know that this show is being recorded for the DVD. And it's being broadcast to the crowd at the same time, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so there's I, that element. I understand that, but it like when you watch Elevation, there's there's very little Bono and camera work. It's all about documenting mm. them playing a show. And it, it comes back to what we were talking about in uh, in Vertigo, where there's just a lack of focus on that presentation of a live show. It, it's mm, there's definitely it's a difference like you're in... making a film, a musical film. Yeah. So uh, I noticed that, and and it's cool for the for the DVD. But I I I think if I was in the audience and that was happening, I'd feel a little bit ripped off. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. There is a definite change here. Uh, the song sounds good, um, and it you know it, it is a big impressive sound. Um, so I, I, it's not all bad, um, but then we start an odyssey of snippets. There's more snippets in this <laughs> effing playlist than mm. any. I mean, it's just non-stop. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through them all, but uh, at the end of Beautiful Day, he goes into a verse of In God's Country, which was a highlight. 
Which, you know, was good, was good. Uh, and then he goes into um, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. So, just two for the... I'd say one more than you need and want, but th- that's fine. Um, but then it's nearly every song, just more and more snippets getting getting added in. It's like, shut up, Bono. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, it's it's in a snippet, you do get to basically free of charge, steal some thunder from another band yeah. and just stick it into your song. And I think you two are actually pretty good at doing it. The hit rate is relatively high. So Normally, yeah. Bullet with Butterfly Wings in um, in Electric Co, for example, fantastic. I think that works really well. And sometimes it does work great. Um, I like uh, In God's Country here. But yeah, there is a limit. I God mean... only knows. Come on. <laughs> uh, um, it's not even. It's not even properly done. Oh, I thought you were making a joke about God only knows how many how many snippets they do. No, I actually don't know. Um, a lot. Um, well, speaking of snippets, I think the best bit of Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, which is the next song, is the bit where they do Stand By Me. Um, I think that actually works quite well. Well, it's just going completely past Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, are we? Well, that it's in that song. I mean, the, I mean, yeah, it is in that song. The only other thing that I can say about that song that I've got written down here, because... And again, it's not that I don't like the song, just I've heard it a lot, um, is the introduction of everyone. So we've got... Um, Since I saw Joshua Tree, this has really come round for me. Mm. I um, Oh, really? Oh, you actually quite like I, the song. I, I, I've never not liked the song. I've just, Neither have I, yeah. There have been times when I don't want to hear it, where, you know, where I tire of it. But yeah. the, the, a little bit of the magic has been breathed back into this mm. for me. Since since watching the Joshua Tree, I I just can't get over that that experience of watching that show. It, yeah, it has changed my perception of you two in a lot of ways. Well, I'll offer an analogy. I like I like lasagna, okay, but if I had it seven days in a row, I would be tiring of it. Just that sheer volume of of lasagna, that weight of bechamel, <laughs> would be too much, right? But then I guess if you go away from it and you go to Italy and you get to sample the original thing and it's amazing. You might come back and think, oh, quite like lasagna again now. So that's that's my that's my Italian cuisine take on that song. Are, are you doing me a lasagna for tea tonight? Uh, no, we're going to have tea. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> you paying? So still haven't found what I'm looking for. Um, we've got the introduction of the band via movie icons. Um, so what did you, did you enjoy this, Tyler? The what? The what bit? Well, we we got him um, referring to their very own James Dean, Larry Mullen Jr., and then we've got uh, Adam is referred to as Clark Gable. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and frankly, my dear, he doesn't give a damn. I, this is really good banter from Bono. It's it's very funny. Yeah, it it, it is it is very good. Adam um, is laughing a lot through this show and holding his, but he's holding his base at this point in a sort of. He's happy and affable, but kind of protective way, like oh god, Bono, shut up. That's yeah. what I get from it anyway. Um, why did no one introduce Bono as, you know, our resident funny man with the hairy arms, Robin Williams himself? <laughs> I think he should have done that. Well, because I think the rest of the band are relatively quiet people. Yeah. Um, but Bono's Bono's line about uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Convert, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm somewhere between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, yeah it does work. I, yeah, it's... Um, it, it's lovely and, and self, uh, self-deprecating and... Yeah, I, um, nothing, nothing wrong with that. There is an awkward bit of, of 
banter coming up soon. Yeah, which I want to talk about that. Just made me want to eat my own face. <laughs> um, but it, it happens. The Buzz Aldrin thing. Just right in the middle of the song. R- remind me and our listeners. Um, so uh, in the, right in the middle of Stone Found what I'm looking for. Um, Bono just starts talking about Buzz Aldrin being in the audience tonight. <laughs> and, it, and it's like, it, it's right in the middle of the song. He's integrating the space themes. And I guess we've not talked about this as much as usual. This could have been a really unified show if they'd gone for that space theme yeah. a bit more. I mean, they do do it all the way through. And, and he also says, he makes it makes a point of going, Buzz Aldrin, the second man on the moon. Yeah, fair enough. Like that's followed him around for fifty years, and he comes comes to a U two concert to try and relax for the evening, and the person on stage <laughs> mm. reminds him of you know he's haunted by the that fact he's that, number two. That, yeah, that he is number two, and you know Buzz Aldrin, they put a man on the moon, uh, not because it was easy, but because it was the right thing to do. <laughs> As Bono told us all in, in Vertigo. The right thing to do. It is odd how much uh, NASA commentary we get from Bono throughout these shows. Um, what else? Well, well, I mean, do we have any more First Eleven Found I'm looking for? Cause, um, Stand By Me, I love that song. It works really well here. This yeah. is a great snippet. I, I, I wouldn't actually... You will probably have a problem with this, but I wouldn't have, the, have a problem with them actually playing that song. But the whole song's a bit much. If they're not I doing it's something... A great, I think it's a great song. Fine. It's the song that made me want to get singing lessons when I was about 14. Mm. Because I, I had one of the very first MP3 players. Uh, the little t- the rubbish silver ones. You could put about 20 songs on them. Wow. But it had a record feature, so you could I could record myself singing. Mm. So I, I, and I wish I still had this, because it was so bad. I recorded myself singing. Didn't it self-destruct shortly after you started recording yourself? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish it. I wish it had. But I recorded myself singing "Stand by Me" and played it back, and was horrified at just how bad it was. It, yeah. it was. It was in no world good. And I played it back to mm. a friend of mine, and I went, "Is this as bad as I think it is?" And he went, "Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, it's worse." The next day, I rang a singing teacher and said, "Look, I really enjoy singing." And I, I can't just sound, I can't sound like that. So I went and got lessons because of "Stand by Me." Mm, well, there you go. Um, so, uh, fond memories of that song, but um, yeah, I, I wish I, I wish you two would snippet that a little bit more. Um, then we go on to still uh, no stuck in a moment, and oh, I forgot. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were going straight into No Line And this is the bit with the awkward convo between uh, Edge and Bono. Yeah, I mean, what the hell? How did this make the cut if Breathe didn't? I mean, the other thing is that at Sheffield, there was actually some quite good banter between Bono and Edge because there's it was the A-level results day. My so, uh, A-level results day. Oh, I forgot, actually. Yeah, it was your actual day as well. It was my actual A-level results That's day. That's funny, isn't it? I uh, sent my sister to pick up my A-level results. And what did I do? I went watching the best band in the world. Mm. And you waited until afterwards because you didn't want it to be influenced, did you? Or? I didn't want to feel... If I'd have done badly, I didn't Would want... Would have put a down on the day. I didn't want that dark cloud hanging over me, yeah. you know, because it's only the rest of my life we're talking about. And and and, and I, I think because I'm more of a pessimist anyway, mm. I, I assumed I'd done badly. I, I actually did all right. Oh, good. But... 
I when Bono at Sheffield said, um, for those of you who have your A level results today, uh, some of you might have done better than you thought. Some of you might have it, it might not have got what you expected, mm-hmm. but take courage because you have more qualifications than anybody on this stage. Yeah, and then he proceeded to ask uh, Larry and Adam, um, how many A levels did you get? And neither of them finished school. Yeah, turns to the edge. How many A levels did you get? The edge, more than you was the mm. response. Very very funny. And at that point, I wished I'd got my results mm. because that would have made me feel better. Yeah. At that point, I regretted not knowing. But to play devil's advocate, if say you hadn't got what you expected, then you you kind of wouldn't have wanted that on the day, would you? Really? Yeah, but I think I regretted that I didn't have enough faith in my favourite band to make me feel better no matter what. Well, that is a lot of faith. That's fair enough, yeah. Um, so, And you would have been able to compare like for like how many qualifications you've got compared to, to the band. Yeah, but you know, that is very very funny and it just shows you how how much they actually do care about what's going on in the lives of the audience. They they, yeah. they know the locality, they know what's going on. Yeah. And they, they know the, the big the big issues of, of the day. And it's That's a big personal issue, isn't it? It's not yeah. putting a man on the moon. It's actually something that matters in people's home life, you know. Yeah, it, and so I, I love that they can always they can always seem to hit the nail exactly on the head of you know, of, of where they are. Unless they're being recorded for a DVD like this time, where they do just just rubbish banter. I mean, it's really stilted. And it's really awkward. What is the conversation? I've forgotten. I, no- I noted that it was awkward. Well, that's the thing. It's so insubstantial. It's just mainly Bono sort of making little quips to Edge. Edge not being like, what? what? What are you on about? And Bono sort of laughing to himself and then and then them sort of compromising by saying like, oh, well, let's just play a song because we can actually do that. Yeah. It's... But you know, Bono's in a good mood, but that's the that's the negative side of it. This version is nowhere near as good as Elevation. I mean, I'm, I like this song. I'm glad. I'm glad they played it on this tour, and it shows how sync they are right at the end. In sync they are rather, um, but it's not as strong as a, of a version. I like this because for the first time I can hear the crowd. Yeah. Um, did question why it's just Edge and Bono. Where's Adam and Larry? Why are they so busy? Well, they. They, I think they just wanted a different arrangement. I think if you've done one arrangement of the song for quite a while, it's nice to have a little rest, and it means you can change things up. They can have a rest, I suppose. Um, it 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 works well for me. Nice nice acoustic for Edge. Yeah, I, I thought this was. I thought it was a, a a nice spectacle. Good a good moment in the show. But not really integrated into this whole. If we're going to say, you know, is this a show or is it a gig? We're not really getting much integration here. Um, unlike the next song where Bono says we got a spaceship and we get the space age looking forward into the future stop shaking your head and looking sad Tyler it's no line on the horizon yay Bono's on guitar yeah not not really that necessary for him to be on that guitar here's the thing when this is the best way I can sum up this song I think you have to be a great musician mm. to play any part of this song well. Mm, not the bass line. That's shut not a dig at Adam. It's a simple bass line. Right, shut <laughs> it's up. a simple bass line. But I do. I think you have to be a great musician to get to, to play this song and to have it sound like that. 
but I just don't think it's a good song in total. Mm-hmm. They are they're all very cap- capable musicians and they're all doing something relatively interesting, but I think the end product, it, maybe it's just overthought and overworked. I, I just didn't enjoy it at all. Hmm. This was a highlight for me um, when we went to see it, and I believe this made the cut of, you know when Edge picked a few different songs from this tour? E22. Yeah, I believe, and I might be wrong, this was the version that they took from our show in Sheffield. So I remember this sounding really, really good. Again, might be wrong on that. Um, my one complaint about this, Bono's in fantastic voice, I think it sounds great. My one complaint is, the bass stop um, in this is rubbish. It sounds, you know, because you've got that... that <laughs> I'm having a go at Adam here. But you know you've got the bit, that break in the middle. Because, and maybe it's because they don't have that little like kind of middle bit... Adam's bass just goes doodly bonk, and then it and then it just sounds. I can't explain what How I'm saying. How you can look past the melody of you know you lazy. You know you did that exact thing on the actual Enloth review. I can't get past it. Like how how it made the cut, I'll never know. It infuriates me. It's not good. A three-year-old could come out of a better melody than that. I like that melody. I think it's 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 something that they they swerved away from going for the, the As really. As you've said, you're more you're more interested in the guitar of you two. Mm. You don't really know much about melody. <laughs> right, I didn't say that second bit. <laughs> and the guitar is part of the melody. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. In a little uh, no uh, elevation. <laughs> Let's move on. Elevation. And again, it's integrated into the space theme. Uh, There is an attempt to make this a space show. Faster than usual. It's pretty, yeah. Yeah, It's it's louder as well, actually. Edge's guitar is really loud. Crowd, probably the most energetic they've been so far. Yeah, I mean, I can't... I can't really complain about this song turning up all the time if the crowd gets as pumped as they do. And, And they do, so, you know... Um, Adam's bass line is funked up and just mess. It's a, a different arrangement, and I really like it. It works really well. Um, Bono's mic stand falls over at one point. I noticed that. Does it? Yeah, that's the uh, that's the mic stand I was talking about. Yeah, I, I noted that because I thought we needed another mic stand up update. <laughs> yeah, uh, mic stand up comedy. Hmm. Which doesn't get played here. No, um, I I wanted to stop watching the DVD at this point and go, and go and learn the baseline. All oh, right, so it was a which, good thing. Which yeah, it, it is a good thing because I think if you you band mm. and um, I think you want to inspire other other musicians to yeah. to do similar things. And I really want to learn that baseline now. And I've never, I don't think I've ever wanted to learn the. The elevation baseline before, but it, it really it was a really interesting and good baseline. So, um, it'd be interesting to see what people think of that because it's, it's a great little riff. I think they could have um, they could have used some of the footage from the elevation video as well in this and and done a little or maybe cosplayed as their evil selves in this. Um, yeah. I think that would work for this show the kind of futuristic concept of this and them all spinning around but well maybe that's a stupid idea what do you think of bono's baby impressions oh just remind me i've i've, I've watched so much youtube in these past couple he, of days he's sucking on his thumb oh yeah and i think i'm sure he, he's he's saying something to mama 
it's something like that. It's something stupid. And I thought, what are you doing? I, I actually questioned, is he high? Now, I think you two at this point are past the age where they would be partaking in... On adrenaline, maybe. It, it just seems way too happy. Well, I don't know. Maybe he's just happy. Then um, again, he, he's not really got any causes to be like really over the top about at this point. There's, there's no, there's nothing that's really getting him down. Well, there's the poor performance of the album that's associated with this tour. I mean, that's pretty bad, both critically and commercially. But they, they were they were all in on that album. Yeah, well, um, didn't work, did it? No, I forgot about it in a little while. I. I did it too, actually, but I was really, really impressed with it. I think it sounds great, and again, getting the actual... It's not a live feed. That would have been really difficult to sort out. Yeah. Although Bono kind of sells it as if it's a live feed. He's like, he's like you know, see you later, Godspeed, love to the wife and kids, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But Safe home, I think he says. Yeah, safe home, which is, which is a nice kind of homely thing to say. Um, he's been home six months. um yeah i just think it's um it 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 works well and it's a beautiful song um and by the way we're just talking we're talking about the guy in the um international space station yeah we didn't we didn't explain that whatsoever um the much like the lou reed video link in zoo tv at the end of in a little while um i've i've forgotten his name but there there is a a guy in the International Space Station who sings the last verse of In a Little While, and that's who we're on about. Yeah. Um, then on to Unknown Caller. Get those karaoke mics out, everyone. <laughs> I didn't think this was bad. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> for, for those for those of you listening to this, Johnny's eyes just opened so wide when I said that. <laughs> I think my eyebrows are on the back of my head. <laughs> I'm just sore into your soul. <laughs> God. Well, this is this is what I would say is the first in a suite of uns. So we get unknown caller, until the end of the world, and then the unforgettable fire. Um, now, one of those stands out like a sore thumb, and it's this one. Um, this is awful. I hate this song. I've written that down here and underlined the word hate. I've put boo at the end of it, which is what I would have been shouting. Um, Bono it, sounds bad. Edge sounds terrible, and, and and I don't usually have a go at the Edge, but that solo it was bad on the record. And he looks like he's he's learnt it two minutes before going back on stage, and he's like, "Yeah, that's the general idea." It sounds so stunted and awful. I I've put stunted as well. Yeah, well, that's what this song is. It the, it should be put down. All the new songs seem stunted. No, not all of them. They do, uh, and I like. It, it, sorry, it's it's like um, it's like this song is by another band. It's it mm. doesn't it doesn't really work. Um, but it's my favorite new track on that I've seen so far. This does have. I mean, on that on that note, this is one of the songs that is credited, not just to you two, but Eno and Lanoir as well. Now, obviously, those those guys are amazing songwriters. But if you're saying there's an influencer that, that changes this and make, takes it away from a pure U2 song... It's been a while since we've had a go at Eno. <laughs> I've never had a go at Brian E's ace. Um, I, I don't think I would have got through a single exam without Brian Eno. What, what did I describe him as? A clinical moron? Something like that? So, the word moron was definitely used, and I definitely disagreed with it. Um, 
yeah, he's a, he's a genius. Um, so the line is thin. Uh, well, there's no line on the horizon. Um, until the end of the world. No, wait, 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 wait. One, one oh, more bit. All right, go on. There's a bit here when Bono has to get people excited, and we've not really talked about the karaoke here. Let us not forget. This is a song that is so bad that to get people to join in, you have to have really. I've seen better graphics on. You know, just down the pub on an old CRT TV that someone's plugged into a really old karaoke machine, and you've just got blue black sc- blue back screen, and the words are uh, white, and then they show up in yellow. Um, it looks rubbish, and that's the only way that people will sing to this song. Um, Sounded like Jonathan Creek then when he said rubbish. <laughs> well, I don't know how Alan Davis says that kind of thing, but um, <laughs> I, I'm probably sounding more and more. I tend to go more Jonathan Ross the more I, I burble on. Um, but there's a bit in this where they actually cut to you know the underground the um the underworld um, yeah. and and bono says whoever the hell on on um on the organ here and then because the organ sounds bad that bono has to get yeah, he, people up he's like no he's not doing the i don't think he was doing it right cuz he wasn't playing it like that he was extending each note mm. Uh, and I th- so I think Bono started going ba 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 ba. So like, like a Christmas so, song. So the guy underneath would know how to actually play it. Just, That's what it came across like. Yeah, practice the songs. Um, until the end of the world. Judas. Even Bono looked bored at this. Hmm. And I can't blame him. Even at the end, because I think this has got great use of the stage at the end. And this is choreography. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, well done, Morley Steinberg. It's just dull. I, it's not. It's not a very good version of this song. Considering other versions, yeah, it's not the best. But I think the choreography, the use of the bridges, is really cool here. So yeah, not much else to say on that. Um, right, let's talk about a song we like. Well, not just like, but absolutely adore. Yeah. Uh, I remember when we saw this live. I really wasn't expecting it. Hmm. And I knew it was your favourite song, and just mm-hmm. I always stand in front of you on account of me being smaller. <laughs> um, one of these days, we're going to need to buy a stool, get a seat. Uh, yeah, and you can stand on it. Uh, very good. <laughs> um, but I remember looking up at you, and you were just—it's um, it, very strange to look at someone you know very well. And see, oh God, this is gonna be no, no, see an expression that you haven't seen them pull before, or you not, you've not. Maybe it might be the first time they've ever in in mm. looked like that. And you were kind of just, it, it was a mixture of I think awestruck and um, revelry and, and and relief, and and just I it was so many so many things because yeah. you were about to hear your favorite song, and at this point. A song that we didn't know if we'd ever hear live. That's the main thing, yeah, because I didn't ever expect to actually hear this song live, so incredible. Yeah. Um, and so I'll, I'll always remember that look on your face from, from Sheffield because it's it's not one I've seen since. <laughs> you, you may have pulled it, but I don't spend all my, all my time looking at you. Well, that, I mean, the thing is, apart from Electric Co. at Manchester, um, I can't really think of a better U2 song than maybe than maybe this really. I mean, this was this was an absolute highlight really. So, um that might account for the expression. 
on this version, there's lots of little things that um, that I noticed, uh, and particularly just as the beginning, do you see Bono sort of go, hold his hand in his arms and his fingers just do this little flicker? And it's really, it's almost like he's anticipating the fact of this is actually a big song and I've got to do justice to it. Mm. Until the End of the World is a big song, but they can do this in their sleep, you know. Whereas Unforgettable Fire is a challenge and I think they deserve a bit of credit for bringing it back out on this tour. Yeah, it was it was absolutely epic. The stage starts to come to life with this song as yeah. well. And I think that's twelve re- songs in. I think that's really important that they did it with a song like that, like yeah. "Unforgettable Fire," a song from twenty four years prior to the tour. Mm. That's when you start to see the stage really come to life. Maybe, well, my question is, why is it not reserved for? For, for a song from No Line on the Horizon. Because they know that... I'll pass you that paper. I don't, I don't need it. Oh. <laughs> Straight back on the floor. <laughs> because they know that none of the other songs... No, They know that none of the songs on No Line on the Horizon stand up to this, I would say. Maybe that's presumptuous on my part, but certainly not up to now has anything stood up to it. And... Um, it would be weird to have a song like this any earlier in the set. It definitely works here. Um, so this is where the that stage comes down, and it's it is just incredible. Uh, do you mind Bono messing with the the words a bit? No, no, not really. Um, there's actually quite a few different things that are done on this. I mean, it's a modern arrangement. I would say it's not completely redone. Um, it's very faithful, though. Yeah, to to the, the 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 version on Unforgettable Fire. Yeah, it's not reworked to the extent of a lot of the the songs on Joshua Tree. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, yeah, it's definitely not not that far. Um, no, I mean, and I think it. I think he he makes the right call on what lyrics he's going to go all out on on the the high pitch bits and it and what bits he's going to hold back on a little bit. And Edge does a great job. As always. So, did you know that they were, were going to play this? Had you heard? No, not it, at all. You, you wouldn't. You I, con- heard I consciously try to avoid all spoilers. Right. So, I mean, and the problem with spoilers is they're either going to disappoint you in one of two ways: you're going to be annoyed that you, you've not been surprised, or you're going to be annoyed that they don't play something that you thought they would. So, when I found out on. Um, Unintentionally, I just logged into Twitter or I think it was Facebook or something like that, and someone was saying, "Oh, they're playing this sort of homecoming on on um, the Joshua Tree tour." I was really annoyed because I thought that would have been such a great surprise. It, I would have loved to have heard that, particularly with that new synth that they've got working for them. Mm. And then when it didn't turn up and we got banned instead, I was annoyed then. So well, yeah. So I avoid spoilers is a short way of saying what I'm trying to say. So just tell me about. Um, the feeling that you were at because I've got I've had this image in my head for eight years. <laughs> like so, t- just tell me a little bit about what was. Did you realize what they were playing straight away? Yeah, you did. Yeah, of course. Because I did. sometimes I don't. So, sometimes I'm because I don't expect to hear something. Yeah, I'll, I'll. It's like my brain doesn't allow it to compute that I'm hearing that right away, and then I go, mm. oh my, and then it hits me all at once. So, what was it like when they played this? Um, well, I just I, again, I think it was just that weird mixture of a. I can't believe I'm going to get to see, hear my favorite song actually live played because versions of this previously have been okay, but 
they certainly didn't live up to how big it sounds on the record because it's just difficult to actually play live. And I don't think this has been played since the 80s. I can't attest to that, but I'm pretty sure it hadn't yeah. made much of an appearance. And even in the 80s, he had problems playing it live. I mean, we've seen that in, in previous episodes. Um, so knowing that I was going to get that version, knowing halfway through that they were doing it properly and it wasn't a snippet or something like that, um, in the way that they've snippeted some songs that I really want to hear live, um, like, say, Zeropa, for example. Um and then just, I mean, there's not much that can really stand up to an enormous light screen extending down in a way that you've never seen before. All the dry ice and fog and lighting. Um, but as always, it's very difficult to explain how I feel about the song because it's so good. I, th- I think you can just get lost in it. And that was really, this is where 360 works well, I think. And I also think this sounds and looks good from a distance as well. I could see if we had got seats and even if they were quite far away, I would have enjoyed seeing this. So, you know, it's incredible. It might be my favourite U2 live experience. Personally. It's up there for me. Hmm. It's always going to mean more to you, but I'm I'm very happy that I got to hear this Hmm. song live. Well, we'll get a switcheroo coming up later on. Spoilers! (laughs) It's my River Song impression. Uh, City of Blinding Lights Um, I like the fact that there was sort of a meeting of two worlds here because Unforgettable Fire was always brought up both the album and the song whenever this song was being initially reviewed because it's got that kind of old school style but I don't really think it needed to be played here I, I think it's yeah, it just doesn't really need to be to be played I mean the bit where Bono's saying what happened what happened to the beauty I had inside of me, um, that's pretty cool. And I think Bono seems like he's putting in genuine emotion. We just had a flash of lightning outside. That was exciting. Um, so if we hear thunder in a minute or two, uh, that's what that's from. Um, yeah, it, unnecessary but pretty good. What did you think? Uh, I, I I wanted to enjoy this. City of Blinding Lights isn't, isn't a song I necessarily want to hear but I don't mind it when it's played. But I felt at this point you 2 had been upstaged by the claw. Mm. It wasn't a U2 gig anymore. It was an exhibition of what that stage could do. And I don't think any song that they could have played at that point could have really... Well, there are songs. But the, but well, the, the last one, yeah. The, there are songs, but they, they hadn't taken... Um, they hadn't taken it in that direction. If uh, and this is jumping ahead a bit, um, if they had gone all out on remixes and dance-heavy material like they did with "I'll Go Crazy If I Don't Go Crazy Tonight," then I, then I think they could have done it. But this stage was just a little bit too big for "City of Blinding Lights," which was a song written for arena and stadium rock. It wasn't. It mm. wasn't made for this big artsy exhibition kind of kind of thing hmm difficult i would say on that one because i think there's a quite fine distinction between the two the but but yeah i can see what you mean um hmm i don't know it's it's hard to say i i think this could be in or out of the of the set um they really. could they could cut it and i wouldn't miss it no neither neither would i um 
But it, it thematically makes sense considering how literally blinding the lights seem to be on this as well. I mean, they do... It is It is at least well integrated into the show. It's choreographed well, it seems, with the lights and, and stuff like that. Uh, we go to Vertigo now. Uh, at this point on the stage, there's a lot going on and the, cam- the camera can't capture everything. Well, I was going to ask you, are you happier with the editing on this? No. <laughs> because and, and Actually, the editing isn't bad. It's just that there's so much going on, you can't capture it. But isn't that the point of Vertigo? Uh, but but there are interesting things happening, which I don't get to see mm. in a frustrating way, because they, they chose which shots to put in this. Mm. So that annoys me. I would have preferred to to have been the live to see it. I mean, I don't, I don't re- remember anything distinctly amazing about Vertigo at three sixty, but One thing just I will watching say, the DVD, I found it frustrating. Bono's, in, Bono's intros are good on this whole DVD. You know, the "Honey, I'm Home" thing, I think is is great. Uh, I think that works. That works really well. Um, and I'm not sure, but there might be a you know, no one gets hurt. Another Bono headbutt attempt. So Bono, not content with um, destroying the camera on Jonathan Ross, has now gone for to take the life of yet another uh, video camera. In, in a, you know he did that um, <laughs> on the Graham Norton show mm. for, um, I, I think, the, the Miracle Yeah, on there. And, another and headbutt attempt. Yeah, it's like his party piece. His inner hooligan coming out. Um, I thought this version sounded a bit like The Hives. It was no, uh, it was a little more choppier. M- yeah, a little choppier than than the the normal version. Um, I think the hives had pretty much phased out by that point. Oh no 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 no! The hives the hives had a real resurgence with uh, the black and white album, and I still think that they are one of the best live bands you can ever see. They are so good. So well, there we go. <laughs> And now we go to uh, an example of everything 360 should have been. I'll go crazy if I don't go crazy tonight. Mm. Um, just amazing. It, it, it sounds pretty much nothing like the song does on the album. This is what the song could have been as well on the album. This is what the album and, and tour should have been. I don't know if the whole album could have been like this. I think half of the album could have been, but we've got to feed into this that the fact that the song this combines two different remixes the rendaka and the dirty south remix as far as i can tell as part of one you know under five and a half minute song um and that's that that works out so well here it's the only song in the set but it's a lot to expect them to remix the whole album isn't it I just think they could have gone in a different direction with it. And yeah, they, they yeah. still could have had the spacey kind of vibes going around, which, again, I don't buy into. But um, they, they still could have done that. A lot of 360s here. Edge spinning around. Adam spinning around. It takes full advantage of the stage. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter what the band are doing either. Although I think it's very cool that they all leave the claw and, and walk around the the external ellipse. Always great when Larry's um liberated from his kit as well a little bit. A lot of a lot of very good U two moments um of you know the different combinations of two of them. Yeah, playing back to back. They, they all you can you, they they're all enjoying this. Mm. Um best part of the show so far for me. 
Yeah, this is um, this is like the heart of the show, I would say, and, and more what 360 could have been. Yeah. Um, I was reading that this apparently is where we get um, a transition when we go into the next song, the, um, the Sunday Bloody Sunday into the next bit. But apparently, the first part of this show was to do with um, one side of Bono's youth, you know, kind of being more crazy and young and adventurous and fun and then the next side is meant to be his political side and you're making a face like what the hell are you on about um i'm not saying i subscribe to this but apparently that was the idea with um with crazy tonight being the kind of the thing that in the middle of it sort of shakes it all up before you move into the next bit okay fair enough i guess doesn't really work for me um but also this means that we go from a club anthem where Bono's dancing about and singing Two Tribes, another snippet, and... Um, oh, the verti- a Vertigo, it's only rock and roll, uh, but, but I, I like, like it. it. Yeah, I think I... I... And I've, I've missed others, but, like, <laughs> just... A lot of snippets. Snippet mania. Uh, another, another tour name they rejected. Um, <laughs> but this is a weird transition to go from Crazy Tonight to... You know, a, a song like Sunday Bloody Sunday that's steeped in political uh, violence and ideology and everything. I mean, it's um, it's very weird. Uh, Bono sounds really, really great. Um, but this song could have missed this tour because I don't remember there being any huge conflict or, you know, recent a- a- attacks, which obviously I'm not wishing for. But no, of course not. But this song has a lot more power and energy when 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 it when it is a bit rawer and a bit yeah. you know a bit closer to the bone. I, I think it as we saw in Sarajevo, um it works best when there's an actual context that can be used where that original political act of violence is still in the song, but it becomes more of an anthem that can be used to be updated to new contexts and new political struggles and yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It could be dropped from this. From this, I mean, definitely could be dropped from this. One thing I did note about Sunday Bloody Sunday is how they have messed around with certain color schemes of songs. Mm. I, I think this was all in green, which was very different. I don't remember seeing. I don't associate green with Sunday Bloody Sunday. Well, I think in the past they've always tried to move away from particular colors that can be particularly charged in a certain way that's why they've always gone for that white flag rather than um mm. you know the orange and the, and the green um being being used as well but maybe um again difficult for me with the with the color blindness uh mlk could grab a fitting considering we're in the middle of a thunderstorm here in manchester yeah the thundercloud passes rain it is indeed passing rain on us um and thunder and thunder literal a- thunder. and well it's a bit of an electrical storm as well because there's a bit of lightning up there Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Bono's voice is ace on this version. It's really cool. Is it? Yes. MLK. Yes. This that is... first note, he didn't hit it there, and he didn't hit it at Sheffield. The two recorded versions I have of this tour, hmm. he it's like he goes for the the nine. It's like he thinks it's nineteen eighty four. That's why I like this version. And he tries and he tries to hit it, f's it up, and he f's it up again in Sheffield. And it's like, learn from your mistakes, you silly, silly man. I think it's probably the best version of this song. Really? Well, apart from the one that's on record, yeah, I think it's great. I think maybe maybe he doesn't get it completely perfect, but the emotion in the voices is better here than 
other times where it seems a bit more perfunctory, to be honest. Um, Although we don't have that little do 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 bit from uh, from Edge like there used to be. When's that th- going to return? That, that was that was cool. I like that. Um, <laughs> go, go back to our unforgettable fire tour review for for that mm-hmm. little tidbit. Walk on. And I want to walk on from this song. Why? Um, this version's rubbish. Do you know what? I asked a, a few people have mentioned this on Twitter that they, they felt that the the Aang San Suu Kyi mm. thing was a little bit pushed too far. But I don't think it interrupts with a song that much. Well, we got a message from uh, Review 2 fan David Levy and he was saying this is quite creepy. And it... It is an odd decision. I mean, I still have my uh, my mask. I was going to bring home. mine and, and, and put it on. And put it on for this. Well, bit. that would make it a very uncomfortable listen. And, and unless would, you explained it, and everyone it would be would, only the understand. second time in eight years that I've worn it. Yeah, well, it's not. It doesn't make it out of my wardrobe very often. I wonder how many Aung San Suu Kyi masks still exist because I've still got mine. In it's in the U two show book, mm. so I can keep it nice and nice and straight and <laughs> for best. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to wear that? My, my, my Suchi best. Um... I guess if you're robbing a bank, you might wear it because it would confuse people, certainly. Why is the Burmese leader robbing the bank? Yeah, well, it'd throw them off your trail, certainly. Um, but it, it was a bit odd. I I was caught up in the moment when we saw it in Sheffield and I thought, wow, this is cool. But I really didn't enjoy it on this DVD. And um... I thought it came across better live. In the flesh, you mean? Yeah, because you look, you did look around. It's kind of like it was kind of like that scene at the end of uh, V for Vendetta, where everyone's wearing, you know, the the yeah. V masks. You looked around at, at the stadium. Everybody had a an San Suchi mask. Yeah. Um, and so it was. It was pretty amazing. It's mm. it's an experience I never would have had, you know, otherwise. Also, I um didn't have any sun cream or a hat that day. Um, bad mistake for me you were wearing it as a hat weren't you yeah I was keeping it as a hat because it was literally (laughs) that was the one thing keeping me between that and severe facial sunburn Um, I have fond memories of this song I love Walk On anyway I have a tattoo I I love Walk On I have a tattoo of the symbol of Walk On on my foot Um, uh, and I hadn't really thought about Aung San Suu Kyi since then Mm. Um, I, I know she got elected eventually she was released from house arrest and was able to run for prime minister or president, whatever it is, in in Burma. Mm. Got into power. She's not really been the best. She's not lived up to certain expectations yeah. on the left. Um, um, well, no, I'm, no, I'm not saying that releasing her was a bad idea, because yeah. it wasn't. No one should ever have to live yeah. under those circumstances. Democracy is quite an important thing as but well. But it does kind of taint my my memory of it. To learn that she really isn't. I think without going I, I, into specifics, she's. It yeah. seems that she's underdeveloped, uh, underdelivered rather. Yeah. Um, on certain promises and has kept quite a low profile when people were expecting her to be a bit more outspoken about certain things. But I will say there's a very good Guardian article on that, which you can which you can read if you want if you want that kind of broken down in far more forensic fashion that we're able to do. But yeah. it does put it, it does put a bit of a, a, a dint in this. Um, but not to worry, um, because... <laughs> proper legends turning up soon. A proper legends turning up, and if you two are going to insist on interacting with charity and raising awareness, raising money, whatever they want to do, 
then Desmond Tutu is the Here's way to to go because he is great, people. I'm not sure if we're, if we're skating around <laughs> offensiveness there. I, mean, I love it. I love Desmond Tutu. I mean, the thing is, he's got a really distinctive voice and delivery, and it was he has an amazing voice, and he is the man to to deliver this message. And I almost shed a tear. I was that inspired by that that message. It was so amazing. Um, I mean, I'm talking about just watching it back on the DVD the other night. Um, and this is I wrote down this like basically let someone else do it. So uh, this might be the way that they can square the circle with this. You two want to be political, but Bono instantly draws pomposity um, co- claims. Let but don't be the message messenger yourself. Let someone else carry the message. Let someone else do it. The the beauty about this is Desmond Tutu. Desmond Tutu is a very recognised figure. People do know who he is. Yeah, he has a very distinctive voice. He's very entertaining. He uh, is a very good orator mm. um, and he knows how to address people without making it seem, no offence to Bono, but Bono can bore on for a bit. Yeah, and also it's a big, it's a big rich white dude telling people how they should be running their lives, you know, which isn't exactly the, the, the best thing if you're doing a more global uh, audience. Yeah, so I... Really have no problem with uh, problem with this. I just realised after Walk On there was a snippet of you never walk alone. Oh, Shout out to all you Liverpool fans over there. Um, and this is in America. Like that song means nothing to them. <laughs> in, over but, here, that song can divide an audience. I was going to say, yeah, it, it would be less divisive. That it'd be certainly more neutral. You can't play. If Manchester had done this in Manchester, you couldn't do you never walk alone in Manchester. You wouldn't get out the building alive. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, I guess it just passed them all over. Um, um, on one, uh, this one thing I noticed about this was that it's the um, it's much more of an acting baby style arrangement, or at least it hit my ear as that. Um, I played along to this. It sounds great. I mean, yeah. I, I think this is a great version, and maybe it was just the the enthusiasm that um, that Desmond Tutu had, had brought up. But I I was really happy to hear this. I uh, put down my pen and paper and picked up my guitar and and played along. Um, in January, I decided to buy a guitar and actually learn properly. And one of the songs that I was trying to figure out at the time was one. So Have you got that intro down yet? Because that's quite difficult. I just do the chords. Okay, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm a rhythm guy. I'm, I'm, I'm not after any, you know, any, any praise. So, so I, I just, I just played through, uh, through the chords, but really just enjoyed playing that. And yeah. I thought it, it it was a nice little measure of how far I've come since January. So well, well done, Tyler. Money well spent. <laughs> um, Amazing Grace is the snippet. Yeah, it, uh, it, the latest edition in Snippet Mania, and I think it's the last one I noted down. We'll see. Um, I think it might be. Um, this is a reasonable transition, but the stage isn't doing much. Streets works when there's a focal point and. Uh, you know, when we look at something like Boston, just compare these versions. It's not, it's not very good. No, uh, I don't feel Streets is a high point in the show nope. this time it's around. By the numbers, it's pretty pretty bland. Adam can't stop smiling. Hmm. Like any time he's shown in this song, he's he's just grinning like a Cheshire cat. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, and then. After Streets, we get the Actung Baby or the... What do you call him? Astro Baby. Or the Astro Baby, the Zoo Baby, whatever you want to call him. 
he turns up and starts taking the Peter Schmeichel out of Desmond Tutu. <laughs> and you... Yeah. Like, what message are you trying to send? Do you want us to listen to Desmond? Or, like, I, I, feel, I feel sorry for Desmond. I, I don't know if Desmond has seen the baby since. No. But I hope he gave him a piece of his mind. <laughs> I think not, it was... not that he's got much left. <laughs> well, right, anyway, um, the Astro Baby, I think he's sort of like, it's the the point, and I might be wrong here, apart from just adding to the the um, spaceship vibe, and I was really happy to, to see this point. I mean, it's as close as we get to there being a literal stage, uh, spaceship on stage. Um he was sort of learning, it was like he was reflecting on all the different things that he'd seen throughout the gig, and he was putting together all these different fragments, including um, yeah, the message from Tutu. Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it works well. Um, does that detract for you from the gravity of the song that is going to be played? No, because I didn't know this was coming. Mm. And um, I, I don't, for me, with, with Unforgettable Fire... There isn't a huge emotional significance to it, other than being a song that I like. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think it has the same emotional weight. Just talking in terms of songs here, it doesn't have the same emotional weight that Ultraviolet does. For you. F- for for me, but I, it, would you disagree with that? Well, well, yeah, but on a personal level, I mean. Yeah. Okay. Well, because I, I like I, and I have more emotion for that, but I have a load of emotion for this song as well. That, so it's splitting hers really. That's fine. Bono's now got the the cool jacket on. Mm, the suit of lights. And when I, it was just like wow, I, I I again my mind didn't immediately tell me what was happening. So I didn't I didn't realize, and then I thought, oh my god. This is, this is, this is crazy. Why? Mm. How? How have they managed to play your favorite song and my favorite song mm. the same gig? That 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 doesn't normally happen. The, there can only been have been a, few, a a a small amount of people that that has happened to. If you've gone to a gig with your friend, unless and, your song is like one of the absolute certains that they're going to play. Yeah, know? but you know when with such a massive back catalogue and and two very songs. Yeah, a deep cut and a single that's not particularly well, two well sing- known. Two singles. Ultraviolet's not a single. True. Very, very true. Not so much you know your favourite song. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was absolutely just just awesome. I can't... It, it's, it's special and I think that is... That's pretty much the version of Ultraviolet. And that is uh, available online on U2's Vivo account, yeah. which not every song is on, on there. No, they wanted to showcase it because I think... They've it, treated it like a single ever since. Well, in the same way that um, in the same way that Crazy, for me, really works here and utilises the 360, this really works as well. That All the smoke, having Bono be able to actually swing out over the crowd... Um, and the whole suit of lights thing. This is where I don't think you could do this as effectively. Mm. I mean, imagine if Bono just on um, the elevation tour had turned up with this and be like, eh, "Look at the suit." It wouldn't work. Whereas this, it comes down. It works brilliantly. We also have a, another Bono prop, which he's not had for a while, uh, and and this is a new prop. Mm. That microphone. Yeah. Uh, Specially designed. Which we've only seen twice so far. Once here for for Ultraviolet. 
and once in the invisible video. Invisible video. Mm. Now, I hope that microphone returns for Songs of Experience. I think that is an iconic look for Bono, but it's not been it's not been used enough. Yeah. Obviously it wouldn't wouldn't have made sense for uh, Joshua Tree. For the Joshua Tree. No, not at all. Song uh, the, the the Innocence and Experience tour it wasn't used. And it could have been. Yeah, it, it should have been, I think. You could have lowered it down from on the experience end of things. I think that because they had the light bulb, they didn't want too many things yeah. coming, coming I mean, from the ceiling. The light bulb is similar in a, mm. in a way. Um, and, you know, it would have been weird if Bono had been swinging on that as well. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's older now. I think his swinging days are, are done. <laughs> he's not a monkey anymore. Stealing honey from a swarm of bees. And swinging from the trees. <laughs> so, Ultraviolet, really, really, really special uh, for me to hear it at 18 years old on, you know, my favourite day on my A-level results day. Mm. And if I'd, have, if I'd have reviewed this two months ago, I'd, I'd have probably said nothing could top that moment. Mm. But seeing it at Joshua Tree, once again, never, ever expecting to hear it again. Yeah. Uh, and I've already spoke about the 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 feeling that just went through my body, and it's still I I still can't talk about it. I still stuttered and still can't get my head around it. What a awesome awesome song! Hmm. Um, the gig could end there for me, really, and it should. It certainly should. Um, I never thought I'd say something bad about Wither Without You or a version of Wither Without You, but Wither Without You was so laboured so this is the least soulful most heartless version of this song I've ever heard Um, with the exception of two moments I would say um, Bono hanging up his suit of lights that's cool and he's like Mm -hmm. a weird nod back to Gone and and a few other things um, which I thought is interesting but that and him throwing, you know, the bit where he throws to the audience and it's a uh, bit. He literally throws the mic over people. Yeah. And obviously, it's not going to pick up people because it's not not that kind of thing. But I think that's a cool visualization of him throwing to the audience. But otherwise, apart from Edge doing some pretty good singing, this is a dull as dishwater version for me. I never ever thought I'd say that. I think we've just got a higher, like a, the bars got higher because we've watched so much that to impress us now. And this is this is our fault for binging on, on you two. Um, if it's not a good version, it seems like a bad version. I think that's the problem for us. Yeah, and speaking uh, of bad versions, a moment of surrender and um, seven minutes snooze fest. If surrender is what I have to do to get away from this torture, then surrender I will. <laughs> Clunky start, almost chaotic actually, to the point where I think it's completely messed up. Mm. And it, and it's a no thrill song anyway. Yeah. It, play forty. Yeah, play anything else. I mean, um, they must have loved this song to carry on playing. Play Vertigo it. again. No, don't do that. I mean, just 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 go home. <laughs> um, I got so bored during this song that I was thinking, hmm, they say ATM machine. That's odd because you don't technically need to say machine after you've already said ATM. That's part of the uh, of the ac- yeah. Well, that's how I was feeling, um, and it made me annoyed because 
I'm just going to say a couple of songs here that they could have included on this DVD um, that were played on this tour um, that they didn't do for this version, right? And think of how great, how much you would want wanted to see a proper full-on DVD U2 official live release of these. Hold Me, Thrill Me. Interesting. Would have worked really well for 360 as well, I think. I think mm-hmm. it's that kind of a song. Mercy would have been amazing to see. Yeah. We'll just have to wait till uh, December rolls around for us to hear that version done properly on experience. Um, Your Blue Room. I would I would have loved to have heard a version of that. That would have been really interesting. It was played. Yeah, but not this one. I'm saying it should yeah, have been yeah. on here. And I'm, I'm just saying when I was watching Moment of Surrender, I was thinking of all the Is other your Blue Room passages. Yes, we've had this discussion on the show before as well. <laughs> Um, and also Scarlet, which they hadn't played for since October, I think, or may- maybe hadn't even played for ages. October the album, yeah, not just the the month. Um, so I, I and I'll say it, I've said it before, I'll say it again. This is this is like someone took the best element of the live version of "Stay Far Away So Close," jammed it into the start of the song. It doesn't work very well. Edge's solo is pretty good. Um. But listen, I have a message for everybody that um, feels the same way about this DVD that we do. Every show on the 360 tour was broadcast to local radio stations. Oh, really? I thought we were, we were treated to no, that with Sheffield. Every single one. Uh, they did. Hmm. They did that. I'm pretty sure they did that everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of versions of this show. Um, and I don't think you need to go far to get a very good, properly recorded version. I don't know which is regarded to be the best, but mm. they, there you go. They're out there. Go and find them. And I'm sure there are there are there are forums on you know on, on, yeah. on places. Like I would recommend you two start, start for that. Yeah, definitely for because that's where I got my. Um, Sheffield one, I think. Um, so and you know, and it's not it's not just this though. There are other other tours, but I think this was the tour where everyone went to a local radio station, which which is which is pretty cool. So go and go and go and find them. I'm sure there are better versions. This just wasn't a, a very good one. It wasn't a very. I think this is widely regarded in the fan community as a not good run of the 360 tour i think yeah um there are some highlights i've never seen any evidence that they figured out how to play this stage um and and i think i can sum this this how i feel about this tour with a, a quote from the fly uh, the secret of ambition. By uh, they say, they say this. Uh, uh, sorry, what is the the quote from the fly? Um, I thought I could sum it up. <laughs> um, uh, ambition, ambition bites the nails. Ambition of bites the nails of success. I can't think of the first part of that line though. Well, it's probably joined onto some other disconnected line, isn't it? Yeah, probably. But yeah, the, the ambition bites the nails of success. That's exactly what happened here. The U2's far-reaching ambition said. Let's have a massive stage, like you know. Let's do something bigger than anyone's ever done before, which you two love to do. This time, they just couldn't fulfill their dreams. I don't think they didn't fulfill their dreams, but they made seven hundred and thirty-six million in ticket sales and did the highest attended tour that's ever been done. They've had worse days. <laughs> They've had worse days. Well, I think overall, there's obviously the critical and the commercial sides of things. 
no one can say that this wasn't a commercial success and put the band out there to a huge amount of people, despite having a rubbish album tied to it, or at least one seen as rubbish. Do you remember how much... Because this tour was sponsored by BlackBerry. Yeah. And BlackBerry had a huge um, presence there that day. Yeah. And I think... Giving out bags and stuff. There were BlackBerry goodie bags. I don't know what were in there. Blackberries? I, I can't, they can't have been giving away mobile phones to people. No, just regular Blackberries. Keep your energy up, people. You need your vitamins. Oh, God. <laughs> um... So, yeah, we didn't really love this, but we we would really love to hear from people who did and what did you like. Hey, I, I, I've not said I didn't love this. Mm, you didn't love it, though, did you? There are a lot of problems with this show. I think, again, they really need credit, despite the fact that this is, you know, a money-making venture and it went really well for how far they took it. They could have just carried on in the same mould as Chicago. No one was expecting or really wanting them to go crazy and dream it all up again they really did dream it all up again mark fisher deserves a, a medal um and he sadly passed away um not 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 too long after this um so it's an incredible production some of this work really works it really works so unforgettable fire crazy and ultraviolet and it's not just because i love those two songs because crazy i'm pretty indifferent to because it's not like great of a song but it works in this context if they'd gone a bit harder with the spaceship vibe, this could have become more of a show. But I think this is more of a show rather than a gig than Vertigo or or Elevation. You think this is more of a show? Yeah, as in an integrated show, not just returning up playing some songs. Uh, do you know what? I've not even thought about this this week. I suppose... Think of how many times Bono mentions space. Or space is integrated in Oh, there. I'm sold. No, but th- it, it makes sense for the claw, the spaceship. It's a bad gig. They should have had, um, you know, the little um, people from speaking Toy Story spe- in there as Speaking well. specifically about the Rose Bowl. And we've not sp- spoken enough about the Rose Bowl, actually, because the Rose Bowl is basically the fifth member of U2. They they use it as a as a character. Yeah, and it looks amazing. It does, it does look amazing. The crowd look incredible. When they're not completely blacked out. Show, not a gig. Show, not uh, a gig. No, I can't say it. I can't say it's a show because it should have been and it looks like one. But terrible set list. Terrible versions of a lot of well-known songs. Mm, but good versions of not very well-known songs. Our version of Sheffield, which we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to do, as along with a few of us, you know, a few of us... Shows that we've we've missed out, um, but I think Sheffield was a lot better. It was great, and I, th- I mean, I I don't want to be mean to US audiences, but I think the audience was better at Sheffield. But I've got no way to judge that. I'd have to be in the in the crowd. But I just from what I could tell from being on the floor and then watching this DVD, people were up for it. Yeah, you know, and that's despite a very very long afternoon of listening to to other bands um which were fine the support were all right but um you know yeah. we got the hours and elbow didn't we yeah an elbow really good that's what i'll say about that <laughs> i remember the the hours they 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 weren't terrible felt like they went on for hours <laughs> uh, where are they now what else do we normally do do we normally ask anything oh special moments what's your favorite moment from the show unforgettable fire closely followed by crazy uh, yeah, Crazy was good, Ultraviolet was good, uh, and in a little while for me. 
Um, the only other thing that I think we regularly do and regularly forget is Bono's accessory. But it's pretty clear yeah. what that would be. Yeah, he's steering so, wheel mic. Yeah, and the suit of lights, I would say. They kind of come as a package, I think. I prefer the mic. Well, there we go. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be... I can't think of any other kind of... Um, it's not going to be one of the little bridges or walkways, is it? No. No. Well, I think I think we've covered 360. I think we've done all 360 degrees. <laughs> Watches have forgotten something now. <laughs> Well, yeah. Um, so, so there you go. Please let us know. Um, some of you aren't shy in letting us know how much you disagree with us, and that that is more than welcome. We just uh, just want to know what other people think of, of yeah. these shows. It's and... hard to not say that in a passive-aggressive way, but we genuinely like yeah, to we, hear we dissenting gen- opinions. We, we, uh, you know, cr- criticism is better than being being ignored. I think. Yeah. Or so. just told. Yeah. I mean, that's not really that helpful. Um, and also, and there are a lot of people in our lives when we're talking about you two. Just go. Yeah. Yeah, and just walk away slowly and back off. Um, yeah. um, the other thing I want to say is we've put out some requests for um, your questions to us, so do feel free to ask us any questions. DM them us on Twitter or Facebook, and we will get around to answering as many of them as possible. Um, I can say that it's pretty clear we'll do favourites and besties, worsties, that kind of thing. So anything else about the show or what we like or dislike or anything like that, all good. Yeah, um, for this week, that's everything. Next week, we will be back with you with uh, the Innocence and Experience Tour live from Paris. That could be quite a long episode with 30 songs to talk about. We're going to skip over some, I think. And I mean, yeah. Yeah, we'd, we'll probably have to. But yeah, uh, for this week, thank you very much for listening. Please continue to like, follow, subscribe, share, whatever it is you people do to help us out. Do all that. Hmm. Um, but for now, we'll see you next week. Bye. Hi there, thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to get in touch, please contact us on facebook.com forward slash review 2 you or on soundcloud.com forward slash review 2 or search for the Review 2 podcast on iTunes. You can also email us at review2contact at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. Thank you.